This is a Broad Pods production. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Broad Radio. For Women's Health Week. A Broad Radio pop-up show. For Jean Hales for Women's Health. Hello and welcome to this special pop-up show of Broad Radio celebrating Women's Health Week for Jean Hales for Women's Health. I'm Jo Stanley and my co-host today is the gorgeous, I'm so in love with her, Shelley Ware. Hello. (laughs) Hello, just as in love with you. How are you? Well? I am really well in this Women's Health Week. I feel I feel blessed to be able to say that, actually, Shelley, because I know lots of people aren't feeling so well right now. I am, so I'm thankful for that. Now, you are one. You were one of our co-hosts on Broad Radio, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. But you're also ambassador for Jean House for Women's Health, so it's so great to have you. And I want to know why you chose to work with Jean House. Well, they asked me. And I couldn't say no. <laughs> Is that why you said yes to me? Because I asked yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that just, she just asked me. No, I only do things that are true to my heart. And the fact that you know, women's health is obviously important to me, but I wanted to be able to talk to women about experiences that I've had in the past because I've often had experiences that haven't been positive where doctors haven't listened to what's happening to me and listen to what's happening to my body. So I wanted to share those stories so people didn't feel like they were alone and that they had someone in their corner that they could want reach out to, but also you know, equate their experience to a know to keep pushing and keep insisting that there's something wrong with me and I need you to listen. I really love two things you said there, Shell. One is you're not alone, which is it's a big reason that we started Broad Radio and it's another real driver for Jean House Women's Health. I know they want people to feel like and women to feel like they're not alone. And the other thing that you said, which I really, we had Jan- Janet Micklemore, who's the CEO of Jean House on the show a few weeks ago, and she said that they're about empowering women so that they feel confident which is exactly what you're saying. We want women to feel like you can be an advocate for your own health and not be kind of deterred by the professionals that you might meet along the way who are suggesting that what you are saying isn't true. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I had an internal once and the doctor told me I didn't have a uterus. 
So I found myself another doctor. <laughs> so, oh my God. You know. Are you sure it was a doctor? No, that sure. sounds horrific. What I have is a tilted uterus. So, right. you know, he, he couldn't find it. So, of course, it wasn't there. So, oh, you know, wow. it's important we share ridiculous stories as well as fantastic stories of doctors to go to. That's right. That's right. Well, so uh, all of this week we have been bringing a show every day at one o'clock live to you, covering all the different topics that uh, Women's Health Week has covered. And we are doing that in partnership with Jean Hales for Women's Health. And as I said, they're an amazing organisation. They're not for profit, they're national, and they're all, all about promoting and improving women's health at any age that's the other awesome thing you don't you know there's not an age at which you've hit your expiry and that's it we want to thrive until just forever hey that's true and they have these fantastic fact sheets so whatever you're going through just head onto their website and you can actually see these fact sheets that are full of information of you know stories that other women have gone through and you can share in those stories with them and you get an actual consult that's 45 minutes not long not that consult where you go and you get eight minutes and they have to get you out because they need to see someone else it's a long consult that someone's listening to you and there's lots of information that's right. So jeanhales.org.au is the website. Head along and check them out. As I said, every day of this week, there has been a different theme. And today's theme, we are bringing you a slumber party. Although in this version of a slumber party, unlike the slumber parties that my daughter wants to go to, Shelley, um, we do want to sleep. Unlike my daughter, who thinks the best slumber <laughs> parties are the ones where you stay up all night. Uh, pulling the all-nighter is the best thing when you're a kid. I know. And then when we get to our age, we say to them, why don't you want to sleep? It's the greatest <laughs> gift. Anything in the world is a good night's sleep. I don't understand children. Anyway, we are going to be diving into what are the things that are keeping us up and how can we get a good night's sleep? And to do that, we are welcoming to the show Dr. Moira Jung, who's a psychologist and sleep specialist. Hi there, Moira. Hi, Joe. Hi, Shelley. Oh, Hi, Moira. You've got a lovely, restful voice already. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you might fall asleep. I hope I don't put you to sleep. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, before we begin, I should say we want this conversation to be really useful. We want to bring some really helpful tips to you. We want you to be motivated to go and find ways to help yourself in whatever you're struggling with. And we want you to ask questions. So if you are watching on Facebook or YouTube, we invite you to put your questions or your comments in the comments below and we will present them tomorrow as we go along in this conversation. And uh, yeah, I know that she's here for you. So thank you so much for that, Moira. Um, Are you much of an insomniac? How do you sleep yourself, Moira? I sleep really well. I'm a very good sleeper, but I'm just at risk, as much risk as anyone really for poor sleep. Um, I'm a bit of a natural born worrier, like I would, a bit sensitive and worry, high empathy kind of person. So naturally, if there's something on my mind, I don't sleep very well. However, I'm lucky that I've practiced what I preach. And I, um, if, if I do have some poor sleep, I just put it in context and I maybe, you know, I get myself back on track within days rather than weeks or months or years, which is the unfortunate position that a lot of the people I see have, haven't had help for, you know, sometimes decades actually with mm. their sleep. They've thought, because until recently there was no help. Like 
um, in terms of uh, doctors and psychologists and the like in Australia, all around the world really, none of us were taught anything about sleep. It was one of those things that it certainly has only been the last 10 years really um, that we've talked, you know, we're talking about sleep all the time, um, but uh, it came into, um, I, was, I was involved in 1994 or so, but the first sleep disorder centre and sleep researchers were at late 1980s in Australia. Um, and formed like the, the ASA, the Australasian Sleep Association, which is um, for an organisation that I'm a part of too, that's just all the people who are working in sleep. And then interestingly, about 10 years ago, Sleep Health Foundation was born out of that and realising we had to have more of a public-facing entity. And so I'm part of that. I'm on the board of Sleep Health Foundation. And we actually have started the conversation, or not we didn't start it, but I'm so happy that Jean Hales, for instance, and lots of organisations are really, really interested in sleep as well because it is the third pillar, well, it's the most important pillar alongside diet and physical fitness. But you'll know that we never really had those big public health campaigns like we've had for smoking or for life being it or for food, obesity. There's been that awareness, but there just hasn't been the awareness until recent years about about sleep. So I'm really happy, really excited to be here. So how important is it to our whole well-being? Well, it's a, it's essential really. Without it, you we, we struggle physically and mentally and obviously with our alertness, with our safety on the roads and with machinery. Um, we all know with children who haven't had a sleep that how you know they can't regulate their mood. You know, not just crack. children. <laughs> not just children. But it's oh less it's a bit more obvious in the child. You think, oh I know what it is. Or in the adult you think, they're just having a bad day or they haven't slept well. <laughs> so it's 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 so important for um like short term all those things around safety and alertness. Longer term, poor sleep over a longer period of time is unfortunately associated with um, you know, really serious health conditions such as, you know, type 2 diabetes, some cancers, cardiovascular risk. Um, of course, obesity. A lot of people don't realise that that you're more at risk of being overweight if you don't sleep well, which is a real, um, it's, a, it's a really a cruel, a cruel thing because, of, because of the more tired you are, then the less able you are to sort of stay on your fitness regime and all that sort of stuff and carrying a bit more weight. Because there's certain hormones within um that we get um, within, that are disrupted. Like if we've got chronic partial sleep deprivation, there is a disruption in the, the ghrelin and the leptin, which are the hormones that help us regulate our appetite and tell us when we're full. So that's, and also I guess when we're more tired, we'll reach for the the, the wrong foods because you sort of want that high energy you know, kick, which is a bit of a false economy. I did breakfast radio for all up 12 years, Moira. So I'm familiar with the sensation of being so tired, you think you've actually got early onset dementia. Like you can't remember anything. Uh, yes, you're cranky. It's not a good time for the people that you live with. And you do often reach for the worst foods because you're yeah. just so depleted and you just need something to get you through. Um, yeah. I, I still think I suffer from those years of sleeplessness can can sleeplessness affect your cognitive function absolutely it uh, it can and it does like we certainly have word finding difficulty and concentration problems and memory problems when we're not sleeping well but fortunately they are thought to be um, short term that once you start sleeping well again they they're not you know long-term cognitive def deficits 
And it does put you at more risk of dementia. I don't think you've got early onset dementia, no. Joe. I don't, about with you. <laughs> I don't think so. But it does put, um, but, it, but you're right, it absolutely, you, I've, I know this myself, you do feel as though you've got some kind of cognitive impairment. You just feel really, really sluggish and really foggy. And I think longer term, I think you're right, Joe. I think even if you haven't done the you know, shift work for 10 years, it does seem to still affect your circadian system in a way. Like you're probably still carrying, it's a bit like, you know, some any other assault to the body or trauma that longer term, it's still sort of there. And it can be even um, carried in ways that you're not even aware of that, 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 that sleep that you've had, you know, sleep deprivation for a long time. And we still look fabulous though. <laughs> Looking like your health is um, in, <laughs> in, intact. Um, but it's, but we, yeah, a lot of people, well, I suppose it's, I'd love to say early on in this conversation that there's at least two people in the audience here, the two types, two, two groups, that there will be people who maybe need to know about the importance of sleep and just think, oh, gee, I didn't know that. I better, I better turn off Netflix a bit earlier and get some sleep. But there's also another group, and I'm not sure, you know, maybe we should do a poll. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the other group would be people who absolutely recognise the importance of sleep love sleep, want more of it, but just despite their best efforts, can't get it. And that sometimes it's because of their, um, just their responsibilities or just their mind won't stop. Um, or they may have an underlying, they may sleep okay. They think, oh, look, I sleep really well, but they're tired all the time. So sometimes that can point to perhaps a sleep quality or a sleep, underlying sleep disorder, perhaps like a, a sleep apnea, which is people would be aware so you stop breathing for periods of time at that word apnea periodically through the night, often associated with loud snoring and then when someone's quiet and then they start gasping and making snorting noises as they start breathing again. That's a very debilitating thing that mostly affects men but, but certain, certainly lots and lots of women as well. And certainly, and when, say there's, I think say in America, I'm not sure exactly, it would be the same here, say 2% of women are at risk of sleep apnea but while they're in the perimenopausal and menopausal phase, it's, it goes up to at least four to five percent risk. So, it in when we're, you know, it, as we get older, and as things slow down, our muscle tone and maybe carrying a bit more weight, we're at more risk of those other sleep disorders. That really encourage anyone watching this or listening to this to think about the risk of, you know, getting a good screening for things like sleep apnea, restless legs as well. People who they might not know, but during this during their sleep, they have these periodic limb movements that they keep sort of waking them up, but only just, it's like someone just flicking you, at, you know, in your head, you don't even know they're doing it all night. So you sleep eight hours, but the sleep quality is really, really poor and you have this excessive daytime sleepiness. And, and I had that myself, it's really interesting. I didn't know that I had that. And I did a sleep study as a guinea pig for a friend who was doing some you know, sleep studies. And I thought, oh, I didn't know I had that. And it, it, it did account for, I thought, gee, I was feeling a bit sleepy and tired. And I thought it was just because I was, you know, had young children and busy working person. But so it's really, if someone like me who's in the sleep field didn't realize they had that, um, it's really important for all of us to just to, to be aware. Not, I don't think everyone needs to rush off for a sleep study, but if you're falling asleep when you don't think, you, when you've, you've thought you've slept all night, uh, sort of this um, unintentional naps um, are feeling really tired all the time. So the insomnia is a really obvious one. People know they've got insomnia, but some of the other sleep disorders are, are less obvious. Mm. Now, COVID has impacted so many areas of our lives. Is, is sleep included in that? 
Yeah, absolutely. There's been so so much research. It's just the first paper that started coming out even March last year because they collected data in China through January and February. So on a lot of the healthcare workers and families. So sleep definitely increases in distress, anxiety and correlations or, you know, relationships with decreased sleep, sleep amounts of sleep and sleep quality. However, there's also a lot of, you'll see the research, I'm not sure if you've come across it, Lots of big scale data um, from things like Fitbit studies where people across the world actually got, a lot of people got more sleep. So in so far as particularly the teenagers who uh, and people who used to do long commutes, they could sleep in. They just get up at five to nine and turn the computer on rather than having to. So people were sort of report, people have reported fantastic um, you know, increases in their sleep. In fact, we've got a debate coming up at the national conference in October, which I've, I've, I remember was involved with. The, 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 we call it the Great Debate, and there's two there's two teams, of course, and health sleep professionals from around the country. I should get should um you know should we should get it televised. It'd be really really funny. But the the topic is that to, that COVID has been good for sleep. So some people will be arguing. So it'd be serious in that the the re, proper research to correct, but because there are there are there is data to say that it's been good for mm. sleep. Um, and of course, others who, who have had increased, you know, less sleep. And interestingly, particularly for Women's Health Week, it's the women, and particularly women of uh, school-aged children, who have been disproportionately affected in a negative way, with with in terms of sleep, because women across the world are more likely to be in caring roles, taking mm. the lion's share of responsibility, not only in their paid work but in their unpaid work and caring roles, not for, for dependent children and for elderly or, um, you know, dependent relatives of all sorts. So it's the women that are actually copying it with um, having increased um, alertness, increased distress, which when you've got this distress we call hyperarousal. You can have hyperarousal for excitement, like you, the night before Christmas when you're a kid, but it can be when you're really distressed as well that it, and it just keeps you a bit wired and um, the nervous system you know, picks up that you're not ready for sleep. Mm. And so therefore there's sleeplessness. And you think about our primitive ancestors that would have had, um, only had that adrenaline and cortisol when there was actually danger perhaps, like, you know, so there was a, a lion outside the cave. And so why would it, it doesn't make sense when we've got that circulating stress hormone, it doesn't make sense to sleep. You've got to sort of be a survival of the species kind of thing. I mean, you might have some research to suggest that lots of people are getting great sleep, but around me and all the things I'm hearing, and I guess it's mostly women, there's not a lot of sleep going on. And if we are sleeping, we're waking in the middle of the night and not being able to get back to sleep. And if we are sleeping too, we're having these bizarre, very vivid dreams. Are you hearing that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I heard that straight away, like from you know March, April last year. And it's, I think there's, you know, they're calling it COVID dreams that all around the world people are reporting increased, vivid, bizarre dreams. And I don't know whether we've really understand exactly lots of um, theories around why that is. But clearly, again, hype, one of the mechanisms could be hyperarousal, that people are just, you know, particularly women, particularly people who are finding it stressful, um, which is mostly, as I said, women are disproportionately affected negatively. Um, so the, 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 I mean, waking in the middle of the night is often a sign of distress as well. So you're mm. tired and wrecked and crash out into some kind of sleep, but not being able to maintain it and waking up way early than you want to 
is associated with, um, you know, mood disturbance and anxiety as well. Well, that's good to know because I think there'll be a lot of people who are feeling that during COVID and, and that's a good explanation and maybe we can touch on some ways in which people can actually feel better about that a little bit later. But just one more question. We're on Zoom all the time. We're on our laptops, mm. we're on our phones just before bed. You know, how does that impact our sleep and what difference is that making to us through this time? I just anecdotal really from me in terms of I haven't seen any actually um, I'm not familiar at least with the large scales proper randomized controls trials on this I don't think there would be able to be it's all this observational and just people are just observing what's happening for them but I can't imagine I'm absolutely certain that that increased screen time and the decrease in our movement is is definitely having a negative impact on our sleep I think one of the most important factors around that is that the, the lack of routine and the lack of the, the boundaries aren't as clear as they used to be. We used to have clear boundaries about when to stop work and start work, even because we're actually literally leaving and going, like the, the commute, that sort of process is gone. And so people are thinking, gosh, am I living at home or uh, working from home or living at work? And, and not and doing too much work, like into the night as well. I think, oh, well, I'm in lockdown. I might as well just keep going. So there's not, they think what the thing has been missing is two things really, that circadian alignment of us being able to get out in the, the daylight, in the daytime and have the appropriate cues to actually really support good sleep-wake health and have the darkness at night. Whereas the screen time, if we were just doing this all into the night, this Zooming that we're doing now, or this, you know, this sort of online stuff, it disrupts the most important sleep hormone that we have, which is melatonin. And melatonin is secreted in dark conditions. It wants the darkness to be able to be secreted and then rise. And it, as it rises, there's these lovely things that happen with our core body temperature, increased propensity for sleepiness. And then we sleep and then we get up and we get outside in the light, out to our workplaces, out to tend the fields, and we get the light in our eyes, melatonin goes to zero. All that is disrupted now. That's one of the COVID um, crises, really, that, that people don't have that normal or those normal social rhythms and the light-dark rhythms to actually support better sleep. So it's great, so important to have these conversations about you know, um, that you're not alone and it's it's not your fault either. Like it's, it's just sort of it's being put on us and we need to just understand it, though, to, to be able to counter it better. We've got so many people making comments and sharing questions and I'm noticing that Katrina says, I can't recall the last time I had eight hours sleep without waking for some reason, really supporting, I think, the fact that women just struggle to sleep. We have... Um, uh, Annie is uh, reiterating that question. I can easily fall asleep at night, but then wake throughout the night, often up for hours before falling asleep again around 4.30. Yeah. Any ways I can get out of this cycle? What do we do if we wake in the middle of the night? Something practical we might do. There's a couple of things. One of the key things is to, to not have access to a clock or a device telling you the time. It's a really important strategy, both on a cognitive level and a behavioural level to just not buy into what time it might be, because that's what, one of the things that might increase our distress and increase it sort of happening, perpetuate this pattern. So I think it was Annie that, well, forget who it was that's, that's yes, waking Annie. up at 4.30. Annie, I think don't, um, first of all, just turn the clock, don't have your phone or anything in arm's reach, or if you've got some old fashioned clock, just hide it. Um, that's first and foremost. 
the rule of thumb is that bed is just for sleeping. So if you're in bed, uh, you can be in bed awake trying to initiate sleep for maybe 20, 30 minutes is the rule of thumb. If you, at the start of the sleep period or the middle of the night or the wee hours, if you've been in bed for longer than that awake and you're a bit distressed about that and frustrated, unfortunately, it's just, you have to guess what time it is, what may you feel around 20 or 30 minutes. The best thing to do, according to our evidence and the, the gold standard for treating sleeping problems with insomnia is CBTI, which is Cognitive Behavioural Therapy for Insomnia. And one of the, this is one of the behavioural things, is getting up out of bed, unfortunately, and going to a quiet place and doing something that's just reading, for instance, or listening to music, maybe watching some TV, but in dark conditions, don't turn the lights on. And don't be, you know, handheld device where the light will be in your eyes. TV is okay because it's across the room. And then wait for the sleepiness and the tiredness to come again. Just unwind. And that may take a while. It may take, you may not get back into bed again. But that'll stop the cycle. That'll make sure that you actually have this really good conditioned response that bed is just for sleeping. It's not for lying there awake and tossing and turning and fretting and worrying. And it's not for, you know, listening to things in bed or if you're going to do reading and listening or get that get out of bed and do that so that you have this really strong conditioned response that you know that your bed your side of the bed your doing that is where you sleep and not not a place of um, worry and stress and frustration so there's I mean there's lots of things but those are two main ones that we that the practical things to start doing straight away now of course some people actually worry about getting to sleep so that's a bit of a problem and they find it hard to actually get to sleep. What should they be doing if they're worrying about that, just getting to sleep itself? Yeah, it's a fantastic question because that's what ends up happening is so much. There's sometimes people, everyone has a sleep problem at some point in their life, or most people do, and then it just settles, it's fine because the, the stress settled. But what can creep in and what happens is when you start getting worried about not sleeping, that you actually have identified that sleep is a problem for you and you're getting really distressed by that because you hear things like this, you've heard on the radio, you've seen these people talking about sleep and its importance. It's really horrible then when you're not getting yes. it. You just get really distressed. It's a really natural, normal thing, and particularly women because women are, we need to have that energy for all the extra work that we do um, and especially around, yeah, well, around children or not, but, you know, family, unpaid work women are doing more of as well as their, their jobs as well so getting if you're distressed about not sleeping and getting worried about not sleeping hear it from me and hear it from the you know people who are working in the sleep field do you can't afford to be worried about that yes we need to prioritize sleep and get sleep and and by all means everyone needs you know seven to nine hours sleep per 24 hours most people do there's some exceptions that might you know get by on six or so or feel they need 10 but really seven to nine is what we recommend at the Sleep Health Foundation. And so, but if you're someone who's worried about not sleeping and only getting like four, the last thing we want to, we don't want you worried about it. We want you to think, okay, well, I'm only getting four. I used to get six or seven or eight at some point in my life. So I will just live with my four or five and reduce my distress around it. Match the time in bed with the realistically amount of sleep I'm going to get. So someone who, if there's people who say they're just going to bed at 10 because they think they should, but they're not sleeping till say 12.30 or one or later, I would say to you, don't get into bed till well after 12. 
just don't do it at the moment. Just temporarily, but it'll take just a matter of weeks and you train yourself to be able to actually get your, you know, your sleep will be much better. You actually have this formula that bed is just for sleeping and then reduce the distress around it. Increase your, um, you, you have a sort of mild sleep deprivation, which helps build sleep need and you get your circadian system sorted. You get up for a morning walk, no matter how tired you are and you build this sleep need and go back into bed only when you're sleepy and tired. So don't, that's, so people who are just stressed around sleep, sit up later, um, you know, do some non-similar activities. Don't be on a computer. Don't be on a handheld device of any sort. And wait for the sleepiness to come and don't fret that it's, oh my gosh, it's 10.30, it's midnight, how much, you know, don't, don't look at the clock. Just have that because you lose your confidence in your systems. You, the brain and the body knows what to do. If there's no distress, the sleep will come, it will come back gradually, but it's never going to come when there's distress about it because of that thing we talked about earlier. It just doesn't make sense to sleep while you're distressed. Mm, I love that. Just you just have to do what you can to calm yourself yeah. and yes. trust trust that it will come. Yes. High fives if you get two hours. Like this is yeah. not the general. This is the two audience I'm talking yes. to. Someone yeah. <laughs> you don't want the young person. Oh, I heard the sleep experts say you only need two hours. So uh, please don't misinterpret <laughs> me. Don't do a sound no. grab about that. <laughs> no, I won't do that. Trust me. Um, we have so many questions coming through. So what we're going to do? We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll get to these questions in just a moment. I wanted to mention that there are some fantastic resources at genehouse.org.au. There's a podcast that you've done as well, Moira, and you have your own podcast, which is called. Uh, sleep talk it's out today so you can check that out the latest episode is out today um, you can also catch up on all of our episodes from women's health week um, via podcast we have a podcast broad radio on the go they'll all be there over the next week or so and also on youtube as well and if you're tuning into broad radio for the first time right now we do broadcast every tuesday morning at 9 a.m and here's a little bit of something of what it's all about Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am Australian Eastern Standard Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call or text on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis, we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Alrighty, we've got some questions to uh, put to you, Moira, if that's okay. Melissa is asking, yeah. I think I sleep well, but wake up tired. And as I've got older, I also wake up achy too. Is that related to the dreaded hormones slash perimenopause, menopause that we seem always to talk yeah. about here, don't we, Shelley? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, Melissa, I think it's it is reasonably normal to wake up tired. Actually, like it's not everyone wakes up when you're a young child or teenager. Perhaps you do wake up really ready to go, but most people don't wake up feeling top of the world. I would encourage you to think about do your assessment maybe an hour into your wake up period. Like you've already you got up, maybe moved around a bit, had a shower, had some food, and then see how you feel um, to really ascertain whether that's a, a problem for you or not. Waking up achy too, unfortunately, is this part of aging that we've we stiffen up. There's probably lots to do around, you know, way outside of my expertise around just around your muscles and keeping on the stretching and um, you know that sort of stuff. But yeah, lying dormant, especially because you sleeps you sleep well, Melissa. We do unfortunately wake up a bit stiff and sore as we get older. Mm, I think a lot of people I know would recommend magnesium for that. I don't know if supplements are helpful. What do you think, Moira? Uh, yeah, they definitely can be, but it's really important to me as a psychologist who doesn't have any kind of prescribing rights or outside of my expertise mm. to, to sort of comment really on things like supplements or sure. medication. And things it's like that. probably outside my remit as well as a broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying yeah, what I can. <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly. Oh, but yes, yeah, do definitely, and look at um, like Sleep Health Foundation too. We have information around that alongside gene hails too and information around supplements excellent um tanya is saying sometimes i'm too tired and sleepy to fall asleep can that be a thing yes absolutely yeah i'm so glad that's come up as a question it's there is a phenomenon really that you can be too tired to sleep and again bring the children back in any overtired child they're too overstimulated to get them you can't settle them because they've sort of gone beyond this natural where they should have gone to sleep so long term too, that there's really tired, really, really, really tired and really ready for sleep, but you're actually not sleepy. Like you actually still remain fairly awake and alert despite really wanting sleep. So unfortunately, that's just a really awful thing. Part of long term sleep deprivation and getting overtired that can happen, which is a cruel, vicious cycle people can get into. So I think the same things we just talked about, though, will apply like just sitting up a bit later, waiting for your arousal and stress to settle. And then you should, you know, there will be a time where the sleepiness, there's a sleep drive that we have, a sleep pressure, that should just get high enough that eventually you will go to sleep, particularly if you're not clock watching and monitoring how many hours you're missing out on. And I think that, that's a that's an important thing. But yeah, funnily enough, like people like marathon runners or the, the Tour de France, like the long, like I would think that when you think you'd go to sleep really well after 200 k's of riding up hills in the, yep. in the heat, yes, I would think I would think that they would, but they they don't sleep all that well because they're overdone, overstimulated, sort of too tired. There is a point where you're sometimes too tired to sleep well, but that'll settle. It'll settle, like it settles once you know it settles in a in a number of days once mm-hmm. you, you know, once you not get freaked out by that. Um, and uh, Cess is asking, how important is a sleep routine? Ultimately important. These great questions. I could have. I know. It sounds like I've planted. I've planted, planted them because <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all my sisters. Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
most important thing really ever. I should have should have been the first thing I said. Like in terms, well, we started we touched on it with the, the COVID stuff and why that's such a problem. It's because of the lack of routine. So I should have ex been more explicit then that it is that it's ultimately everything really. Our sleep wake health is very much tied to our routines and when we put ourselves in light and dark conditions and have predictability with our meals and so I often say to people like just become really boring like you've got to be age yourself to what your grandparents do <laughs> just because just you know same thing same day if you're having sleep problems you know don't do that till you until you have to later on when you so those routines are just because they're slowing down and they like to have a quieter life but when you're, if you're having sleep problems, it is, it's really, really important to start thinking about the importance of a routine and getting up around the same time every day, seven days a week, um, plus or minus, you know, half an hour, an hour, if you really want to sleep in every now and then to get that light in your eyes and start building your sleep need. So if you're an eight hour sleeper, you need to be awake for 16 hours and build up that sleep pressure to get you earn the right to get your eight hours sleep. So you might as well get up at the same time because if you get up at midday, you've sort of you're not having your 16 hours sort of you know to get back to sleep at a reasonable time so that's the idea of the routine it's around you know it's around really supporting our circadian system and our circadian system is one of the most important things with with regulating our sleep regulating everything our our appetite um even our performance on tests and things we have a different topic in, in the day where we might be more alert so it's um and, and our mood regulation mm. like we know a lot more now mm. around depression when we've known it for years around winter depression, like, you know, sad mm -hmm. seasonal effect disorder, that we, it's just, it's very much implicated, like the, the, the daylight with the amount of, um, with, with, with um, depression. And therefore there's lots of, there's links, of course, with, with our ability to initiate and maintain good sleep. And sleep, you know, we can tell I'm, I'm a big advocate for sleep. Um, and and be, be, it is it's, it's essential it's absolutely as essential as our, our water and our food and our moving our body like it it, re, it really is the only cruel thing around it though is you can have much more control over how much water you take and how much you move your body and what you put in your mouth sleep is a different sort of thing you can't you can say to someone hey you know you need to have you heard you need eight hours sleep every night and the most conscientious person won't necessarily be able to do that because of these other, it's a bit complicated because there's, we can be just a bit wired, like, you know, our mind's too active. Um, we can have circadian disruption. We're just, you know, bad habits. Um, sometimes we might be snoring and not know that that's why that's going, that's going on. So there's all these sort of complicated things, which, uh, and then of course, as we are talking before, someone who's really worried about sleep and the more they try, they're trying then and they're listening into things like this and they, they're getting a bit worried about it and putting sleep effort in, what we call sleep effort, like putting in too many things really, like I must be a bit too rigid. It's fair enough getting up at the same time every day, that's that's fine, but we can't be too rigid about everything else because if you, because you're not really meant to go to bed until you're sleepy and tired, that you're ready mm. for that. Definitely have a routine, like aim for around 11 or something, but don't be too distressed if um, you think, oh, I can't sleep, can't sleep, think, oh, it's okay. I'll wait until I'm sleepy and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, listen to my circadian system and my body clock in the first instance and get what sleep I can get and celebrate that. And then eventually, in a matter of weeks, I'll be back on track. I love the idea of celebrating sleep, Shelley. Are you, are <laughs> I'll you, celebrate it. Yeah. Are you a good sleeper, Shell? I am. I literally, I am one of those really annoying people that as soon as my head hits the pillow, I am asleep. Like, I mean, out. I even heard my son say the other night, 
how does she do that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to click into that and he's like, how does she do that? Like, he was ast- he's always astounded. I am out cold. Well. And for eight hours. Well, you should I celebrate that. Bed, Fabulous. I have to actually go to bed earlier because I need those eight hours. If I don't have them, I don't function well. So I've had to put that into my life and make sure that's part of my life. That's right. And I think that yeah. really knowing what you need is important. Like what, you know, you you, you know you need eight hours, you, how you feel, your subject, subjective feelings with that. Because we sort of know what we need as a matter of whether we can get it. Yeah, well, sometimes I can't, and it's not pretty for those involved. (laughs) (laughs) I'll remember that. (laughs) Don't deprive Shelley of sleep. (laughs) But the thing is too, I think, Moira, what's great about the fact that we talk more about sleep, and I agree with you, it's challenging when you know you should sleep and you can't. You hear all of these lists of things that's going to go wrong with you because you can't sleep that is a bit distressing right (laughs) it's like thanks very much i know i should be sleeping and i'm not right yeah Yeah. but what's great about this conversation is that i think now we're getting the permission to say no i need to sleep that is the priority right now which is new i think yes it it is new and you would yeah absolutely there used to be a real um well still around to some extent but you know sleep is for the week or I'll sleep when I'm dead <laughs> whereas it's now it's okay it's in fact it's on trend it's cool to, to it's okay to value sleep um but yeah permission for sleeping is is you're right it used to be um you just work 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 um you know put sleep above other competing demands or work work deadlines or or other social fun things but to recognize that it is, is one of the core you know the core pillars of health and, and some people, yeah, as, as Shelley said, some people, not everyone needs eight exactly. Some people can get it. You can slide that around, you know, around the eight, some bit, bit less, bit more. Uh, and, and also maybe just sometimes there's times when you're just not going to get it. You've just had a particularly busy time or you've got, you know, sick. No, I mean, people listening or watching will be like, wow, well, what about, you know, I can't, I've got young children or I've got, um, I'm caring for people who need me all through the night and, and there's lots and lots of, or, or my, you know, my shift, my way working life doesn't allow for anywhere near eight hours. So it's a matter of trying to address that wherever possible, rest when you can, get sleeps when you can, get more respite for yourself. Um, there's lots of, lots of talk and lots of focus now on the sleep of carers, um, and that, which is great, that's new as well. That, that, that's a, a recognised area of what can we do with those people who just don't get the adequate opportunity for sleep and encouraging uh, more support and encouraging rest periods and little daytime brief naps if you can. Yeah, we have a motto that we live by in this house because there are some times that you don't get the sleep that you need and my son needs the sleep too. So I actually will say to him if he doesn't get the sleep, remember it's not actually people you are going to be in the lives with problem. Like you have to keep yourself tidy today. If you haven't had the sleep, you keep yourself tidy because it's not their fault you didn't get the sleep. And we've had to live by that because we are both big time sleepers. And sometimes we yeah. can't get it in and that's just the yeah. truth of it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you can't, but it's a it's a bit like having the exception is okay every now and then, but that the, the, yeah. the rule is that, that you, it's a bit like say health, healthy eating, like you soft drinks are out. 
But if you had a soft drink at a party was once a year, it's not because it's no big deal at all. Or you know, let way you know some kind of you know, takeaway once a week is probably is is absolutely okay in a, in a healthy eating plan. That sort of thing. It's like having a bit of flexibility as well, and not getting too ritualized or or hung up on a bit obsessive. And that's one thing I worry about sometimes with the the monitoring of sleep. It's it's good like with the you know wearables, people can get a little bit caught up in the in the mm. numbers almost gamifying yes. their sleep or panicking. One of my teenagers was telling me how bad her sleep was and I said, what? But look at you, you it's, you're not, you're asleep and you, you know, you've got lots of energy and you you don't look tired to me, not sleep. She, but she was, her, something told her she was only getting five hours. I said, you know, the, so they're not always accurate and maybe just go by what you're thinking and feeling, not know what some device yeah. is telling you. Yes. Uh, just a couple more questions then. Um, you mentioned parents and new parents have to be the most tired group of any in the world pretty much. Um, but yeah. anybody who may be shift workers or whatever, people who are sleepless, uh, is napping a good idea to catch up on sleep throughout the day? Mm, yeah, when the shift work, it's a big, you know, it's hard to give it justice in just a sh short answer. But the short answer is that napping, if it's to be done, should be kept to be very short. So often we say, people say, oh, yeah, I had a nap and it was one till five. <laughs> oh, that's not a nap. That's a, that's a big, that's a sleep period. <laughs> but a, a nap is, you know, less than 30 minutes, like 20 minutes. Think about the billboards that talk about, you know, staying alert on the roads. The power nap mm. is now, used to say 20 minutes, the billboards now say 15 minutes. Mm. So short naps are really a really good idea, depending on what you need it for. If you're uh, okay with shift workers should sleep wherever they can like get as much sleep as they can when they can that's for sure and certainly new parents need to sleep when the baby's sleeping if they can and when they can that's a bit of a personality thing some people feel like no i need to have the clean house i need to get other stuff done while the baby's asleep but really would encourage you to try when you've got limited opportunity for sleep trying to just take anything you you can when you do get an opportunity to take it so, yeah, so naps are good if they're short. Longer periods or too late in the evening, of course, will uh, interfere with your ability to get a good sleep if you've sort of, you don't have that sleep pressure that we were talking about before, that, you know, building up a bit of sleep need. It's like turning up to a Christmas lunch and you've already eaten. <laughs> you, you know, you do, you're not going to enjoy it as much or fit as much. And so sleep, you want to make sure that you're hungry for sleep, if you like, if you know what I mean. Mm. My son was a... Um terrible sleeper when he was young because of reflux we ended up going to sleep school and I vividly remember filling out the questionnaire at the start about my own mental well-being and I failed dismally absolutely dismally because I wasn't sleeping at all and then I had the three nights sleep because they were caring for Taj and then I passed with flying colors and that I think was the moment that I learned how much sleep actually impacts your well-being as a person and that's when I made that conscious effort to do the best I could. And naps, naps are just so wonderful. I take a 20-minute nap before I head out, but don't get yeah. to do that as much these days for lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, I'm not napping as Everybody much. That's <laughs> true. No, but you're, you're so right though, Shelley. It was so well put there that it's it's sometimes it's not till you realise, you, you have a situation like that with your newborn not sleeping well and you realising how much you fell apart too. And just and then there's someone being able to care for him and you, and for you to just catch up and get some sleep. It's enormous benefits then for the yeah, for the well-being of of new parents. 
and that the, the postnatal depression screen tool, like the you know one of the, the the tools that people use to assess it, it does have a sleep question, and it's interesting that it changes the score enormously when when people start to sleep. So it's, it's really well recognised importance there, and you know I wish we could do. I mean, this is why we do these sort of things. Like we do as much as we can to educate the public, to reassure the public. I mean, there's two questions. There's two sort of messages, isn't it? That sleep's important. But there's other thing to be reassured that don't panic too much but know that there's plenty of things you can do and there's lots of help out there there's you know there's you know online things you can do there's you know doctors other health professionals you can talk to there's lots of, we're really well supported here in australia and i think um, yeah women need to give themselves permission to not often people think oh it's a bit i don't want to talk about my sleep surely there's more important things people should be seeing you for or as though the don't think that it's important enough to to go and talk to someone about a sleep problem but it's it affects everything else so it's absolutely important and if like in your situation Shelley if you didn't recover um without sort of having that care and sleep then you wouldn't have been any good to anyone and your son you know he wouldn't have been able to thrive and it's really important that we have to look after ourselves as 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 parents and, and particularly women um, you know, the whole, people a bit sick of that analogy, but the oxygen mask coming down, we don't talk about it anymore in the plane. <laughs> no one's going in planes, for <laughs> but fit, fitting your oxygen mask first. Yeah. Because you can't really, and it's instinctively not right, isn't it? I think, gosh, mm. as if you wouldn't, of course you would put it on your baby or your elderly relative. Or you, would, you wouldn't instinctively necessarily do your own one. That's why they have to be really explicit about it. And same with this sort of stuff like our sleep, our mental health, we have to fix ourselves get ourselves sorted therefore to be able to help other people so it's not it's not a selfish thing at all in, in the end it's actually about well it is self-care but it is about being able to do those caring roles for everyone else that's something you know as well um do you think meditation and mindfulness is useful oh yes oh god i can't believe i haven't brought about talked about <laughs> it earlier both shelly shelly and the, i are huge definitely. fans of mindfulness and and meditation and i, I can't yes. for me i wouldn't sleep without mindfulness and meditation yeah it's absolutely everything it's well the the cbt that i talked about like that whole they're the main they're really important things those two main things i talked about there's some i didn't go into most of it but a couple of things we talked about but the mindfulness and meditate well mindfulness-based meditation is there's very very good evidence that it helps with which certainly helps a lot with everything with mood and energy but there's very there's, there's trials now with with insomnia with sleep that it's um it does it does help with sleep um enormously and even if you the thing is here that this is a, a caveat around answering this some people think oh, i must do mindfulness must do i heard it's i heard it's good for my sleep and they do it with such a gusto that it's just about their sleep that therefore the same things are still there they're still around still wired some people say i did it for eight hours i told them to do a five minute one and they came back and said i, I did it for eight hours and it didn't work <laughs> oh, so, so i think i think you know yes. it's too, too much it's like we've got to think about mindfulness and all those things are really great for for our general well-being they're very important there's true evidence that they're really important but we have to also not put too much pressure on any any one particular sleep system you know strategy and expect too much so just do it for its own sake like just enjoy it and think it's really good for for your mental health it's really good for your general well-being and being able to calm yourself and soothe yourself and of course it will be good for sleep but see what i mean around just you know you don't want to people you want everyone anyone who's having difficulty with sleep to just to just be go easy on the strategies 
because they will unfortunately keep you'll still the how put the hyper arousal will still be high and you haven't addressed that that worry and that angst mm. so getting so the mindfulness can actually help in the middle of the night not even to i must get back to sleep to actually help you with well i'm awake i don't know what time it is i do have that big interview tomorrow how is it i wonder how that'll go with me not sleep. you're not trying to just just think well i'm not going to be too judgmental of anything or putting myself too much forward in the future and or ruminate as well just to stay in this present moment with just my breath with just my safe i've got a roof over my head i'm warm and 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 i'm awake and i'm not fretting about that you know that so the mindfulness is excellent for reducing improving your sleep anyway but then what if you're awake in the middle of the night it will help you to be more accepting and non-judgmental about the fact that you're awake and not fretting about that yes accepting of it and not fretting so critical and that is what mindfulness does for me too and i'll tell you this right it's a little bit hilarious but my mindfulness <laughs> activity is this in the middle of the night which i have often um nights awake uh anxiety ridden um because mindfulness is putting your attention on something that you wish to put your attention on right so i have yeah, yeah. A, i have a 17 year old cat who sleeps with me every night under my arm here. And so my mindfulness is to feel her under my hands and to feel her softness and to feel her warmth and her love, right? Every night. And it's perfect. I nod off because I'm taking my attention from my worries and the fact that I'm awake again to the cat. Poor old Case thing. in point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So super, yeah, super important yeah. to not, yeah. Um, yeah, stay, stay on, fo- so focus on something in the present moment mm-hmm. and the cat's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, amazing, Moira. It has just been so illuminating to speak with you. Shelley, have you got any burning questions that we've missed? No, I think you've covered it. I think there was really only what to avoid, but you splashed that in through everything. So there was that message throughout. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity, like, just to, to speak about sleep and, and to hopefully help people who are struggling or people who just didn't know how important it was. So, yeah, so really... I had a great time. Thank you. Fantastic. So make sure you head along to jeanhouse.org.au. There's some fantastic resources there. Check out Moira's podcast, which has dropped today as well. It is called Sleep Talk. And uh, you, while you're there, why don't you check out uh, the Broad Radio podcast, Broad Radio On The Go, wherever you get your podcasts. Moira, thank you so much. We wish you a lovely night's sleep tonight. You too. <laughs> and you too, Shelley. And you we, too. we are going to be back on Tuesday morning with Broad Radio at 9am. We'll see you there. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.